Help keep Kinks and Beats Daily alive with a $4 monthly contribution and receive exclusive bonus episodes as our thank you to you. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more details. Hello, hello. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 169. Thank you for downloading. As you know, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, I am looking for your input into the podcast with a song by the Kinks or Beatles, or their solo acts respectively, that you've completely changed your opinion on over the years. Something that you loved and now you hate, or something that you hate and now you've loved. You know, we've talked 169 episodes now and there are con- <clears throat> excuse me, been a couple songs that we've come across that um, I have a new appreciation for listening to it with a different ear to present for this podcast. And I actually have one or two that I'm going to talk about on this bonus episode, but I want to hear from you guys. So let me know, 925-494-1739. And um, you can leave a message as long as you want, leave as many messages as you want. But uh, let me know a song that you've changed your opinion on, one way or the other. Maybe you used to love Wild Honey Pie and you finally come to your senses and realize that it's self-indulgent garbage. And um, I'd like to hear how you came to that conclusion, why you came to that conclusion, um, all about it. So go ahead and do that. If you don't remember the phone number, that's okay. You can swing by herohabit.com and under the podcast button for Kinks and Beats Daily, you can get all the information on how to contact me. Today, we are going into Solo George territory with a song called Learning How to Love You from his album 33 and a Third. The um, song was released on November 15th, 1976 as the B-side to this song, which is a weird sentence. He's got a song called This Song that is a response to his My Sweet Lord lawsuit. This was the B-side to this song. This song was the B-side to this song. Um, And on November 19th, it was released as the final track on 33 and a Third. If you haven't listened to 33 and a Third, it is fantastic. Not only is it one of my favorite George Harrison albums, it's one of my favorite just albums by anybody. It's beautifully recorded. I think it's one of his best sounding albums. Got some of the greatest musicians on it. Um, His voice sounds great. His guitar playing is stunning. It's a good album. This song was originally written for Herb Alpert, who um, some of you might know uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. He was the trumpet player. But he did every now and then record a song with with him on vocals. And he was also the A in A&M Records. Okay? So uh, George Harrison starts his own record label called Dark Horse. He's not allowed to record on it. He's still under contract from Apple, the company he owns, uh, until this album. This is the first album that he's releasing on Dark Horse. So he sets up the Dark Horse record label and all the records that come out um, of Dark Horse are going to be distributed by A&M Records. They have this deal set up, okay? And A&M's getting a little bit testy because the first few albums, because George wasn't allowed to release anything on Dark Horse of his own, the first few albums that got released, band called Splinter, I think there was a Robbie Shankar album, they don't do anything. They don't sell enough copies. They don't really make it worth it. You know, A&M Records has a former Beatle on their roster 
technically, and they can't sell any of his stuff. And the stuff he is presenting isn't selling, and they're they're not getting their money back that they had invested in this. Um, but things are still good. And Herb Alpert's going to go make an album, <clears throat> and George Harrison writes this song um, that he's going to give to Herb Alpert. And then the album that's going to become 33 and a third gets delayed for many reasons. Uh, one, that he was, uh, Harrison was like sick for months and didn't do really anything, except one of the few things he did do was the guitar solo for this song. Um, but this, the album gets delayed and it gets delayed and it gets delayed and A&M Records starts losing their patience and they sue George Harrison for $10 million um, for breach of contract or something, because I guess there's a stipulation in the contract that they're not allowed to say, so they're trying to sell this splinter album, right? And nobody's buying it. And they're not allowed contractually to say splinter from George Harrison's dark horse label, right? They're not allowed to use his name, I guess is how I understand it. So they've had enough. They're like, we can't use your name to sell these albums nobody wants. We can't sell your album because you keep delaying it and you haven't finished it. So they 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 sue him for ten million bucks, um, to get something moving. And this comes right after um, a a big decision in the My Sweet Lord uh, lawsuit. Which, if you don't know about that, go listen to my My Sweet Lord episode where I go a little bit deeper into that, but this thing drug on for years, decades. And, um, there was a major decision that came out around the time he gets served with papers from his record company who he thought he was on good terms with still. So short story long, they settle. He has to give back a $1 million advance and all the dark horse stuff moves over to Warner brothers. So A&M records had the dark horse distribution and, never once released a George Harrison album because 33 and a third was released on Warner brothers and was a hit. It had hit singles. It sold well, you know, it was getting played on the radio. George was doing promo for it. It was a, it was a hit album. And a lot of, there was uh it might've been an advertisement even talking about how A&M's impatience was, was Warner brothers gain because they got a hit record out of the deal that had Warner Brother or AM just waited a couple more months for would have been their hit record. Um and been kind of a a, a high point in Harrison's solo career. You know, because following this he did the George Harrison album, which is solid. He did Somewhere in England, which had a, a huge hit on it. So I mean he was doing some radio. You know, he was he was playing. He was selling records. So anyway, this was written for Herb Alpert. Uh, it was a huge tangent but some of you might find it interesting ends up Herb never played it. And George took it for this recording. And this is one of those songs. Speaking of the question I'm asking you guys, this is one of those songs I didn't appreciate when I was in high school. This was one of the first solo George CDs I bought. I had living in the material world. I had inherited my grand. I didn't inherit. She wasn't dead, but I had taken it from my grandmother's record collection. Um, and I think all things must pass as well. And this was one of the few that I had on CD in high school because a lot of his stuff was out of print. All of his Apple stuff was out of print. You couldn't get extra texture anywhere. So you really had to go hunting for George Harrison um, CDs when I was in high school. 
And this was a song I almost never played. It was the last track on the album and I didn't appreciate it. Now it's one of my favorite tracks on the album because as I dug deeper into other genres like jazz and Motown, I've grown to love this song. Um, you know, I, you know, I graduate high school, I go off to college to become a musician and that exposes you to all this other stuff. And and when you build that appreciation for all this other music, um, all of a sudden new things come to light. Like what a beautiful song this is. I think it was the Fender Rhodes that opens a song that I, I never really dug in high school. Cause to me, it just sounded like really you know, very cliche seventies AM sound. Now that I've, you know, listened to more music and have expanded my musical vocabulary, I, I love that sound. And it's one of my favorite, you know, sounds in rock roll is rock roll. It's a stupid way to say that. Um, so this is one that I would put on that list of songs that I, I never appreciated before. And then although it's primarily driven by phased keyboards and strummed electric guitars, the guitar solo is played on an acoustic and it stands out as one of his best solos ever. It is a gorgeous guitar solo. Um, it's not slide. You know, you're used to hearing George's stuff being played on a slide guitar at this point in his career. It's just him picking out a good, uh, it's just spectacular. And it's one of those things like I talked about in real love, you might be able to play the notes, but, there's something about the way he plays it and and plays those notes that is so difficult, if not impossible, to replicate on your own. George himself considered this song on par with something, which he evidently and rightfully held up as the gold standard of his own songwriting. <clears throat> um, it's in F sharp, which is a key nobody writes in, but of course George does. And I'm not going to dig too deep into it, but, you know, he does these where he's got the descending chromatics like he does in something. Um, Whoops. Whoops. I just forgot how to play guitar. He's got these descending lines where he starts on like an F sharp chord and then just descends the root. And then um, he jumps to a C sharp chord and descends the root. And if you go online to find the chords, they're all wrong. They list like that second chord is an F sharp minor seven. It's not. It's an F sharp major seven, um, and then to an F sharp seven, C sharp minor to C sharp minor with a major seven, which you could also say is just a, a G augmented chord or a G sharp augmented chord to a C sharp seven, uh, and then an F sharp to B. Nothing crazy there. Then he's got like this G sharp minor six add nine, which is a beautiful chord. Uh,
like that little. And then, uh, so, you know, it, it's just, he's got these beautiful jazz chords and, and all that. But it's the descending bass line that makes it sound like a George Harrison composition. He did it a lot, whether it was the descending bass line or the um, raising of the higher notes, like taking a C chord and then a C augmented, then a C6. You know, he's always not, he likes to stay on one chord and alter one note at a time to create this chromatic movement in one direction or the other. And uh, in this song, and and like something, it's just spectacular the way he does it. <clears throat> While all is still in the night and silence starts its flow, become or disbelieve me. Left alone with my heart, I'm learning how to love you. While waiting on the light, how patience, how patience learned to grow. Endeavor could relieve me. Left alone with my heart, I know that I can love you. It's a good lyric. As teardrops cloud the sight, your eyes may never know. No truth could ever fear me. And left alone with my heart, I'm learning how to love you. It's good stuff, George. Uh, go listen to 33 and a Third as a whole. It's got one of his best album openers, the funkiest song George Harrison ever released. And a gorgeous um, album closer that has got like I said, arguably one of his top 10 guitar solos of all time, if you ask me. And it's just buried. It's the last track. It was the B-side of a single and the last track on the album. But it is a good album closer because it's so mellow and uh, it comes off of uh, Cracker Box Palace, which was a hit and much, you know, very up-tempo and, and, and lots of slide guitar and overproduced and not overproduced, but, you know, very produced sound. And then we go into this real mellow learning how to love you. So go check that out. And um, if it's a song that you have changed your opinion on, tell me about it. 925-494-1739. Any song, Kinks, Beatles, Solo, anything. And of course, you can email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. And if you'd like some exclusive content, the first one, which uh, was supposed to come out in August, but it'll actually come out in September, uh, is actually we're going to talk specifically about George Harrison's songwriting and what makes his sound his signature sound. And there's a lot of aspects to it that you need to cover if you want to replicate his signature sound. We're going to talk about that in a bonus episode for subscribers. For $4 a month, you keep this podcast ad-free. Help me cover the costs of producing, and I'll send you a free extra episode every month. All right. Thank you so much. Swing by herohabit.com for more details. I will talk to you next time. Thanks for downloading. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by herohabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. Herohabit.com. Collect your heroes.